Tigers will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome everyone to episode 391 of Fergun the Freak. My name is the Glorious League Freak and I have a very special guest. It's his first time on the podcast. He is part of the Big Cat Chat. It's a it's a pretty new podcast, hey? Like, yeah, yeah, first year yeah. this year. Yeah, so, and his name is Jack Martin. Uh, you will see him on Twitter as Jacko Marto with no space in between. How's it going, Jack? Yeah, pretty good. How are you? I'm all right. How good is it to be a Penrith Panthers fan at the moment? You know what? It's pretty bloody good. Yeah. I I think about that probably a few times a day, which is probably a little sad, but I get happy once I remember that, yeah, I am a Panthers fan, so there's not much to complain about. Yeah, it's like a premiership. Two grand finals we've been in the last couple of years, a premiership. We're getting a new stadium. We've got a young team. It's not even like it's an old team where you're like, oh, you know, a couple more years of this and it'll all be over. It's like, man, we could be doing this shit for the next eight to ten years. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, we've seen so many premiership teams in the, like, salary cap era mm. where basically pretty quickly they've had to sort of move along a lot of the players. Mm-hmm. But, like, aside from maybe one or two, no one really in our squad's even near 30. Yeah, it's like when the veteran – you sort of think of the veteran players and it's like they're 27. So, holy crap. It's I've never seen anything like it. It's uh, it's really strange, quite honestly. And um, were you – are you old enough to have remembered 2003? Well, that was actually – so I was six that year. Yeah. And that's the year I started following footy. But, like, I it wasn't because Penrith were good because I had no idea what the grand final even was. Mm-hmm. It was like the next year when I started playing footy that I really became obsessed with it and learnt what the grand final was when I was yeah. watching it. And my dad explained that, like, oh, that, that just means the Bulldogs are the best team this year. Mm-hmm. And that's when it, like, sort of hit me the gravity of it. Because I remember the year before um, watching the grand final with my mum and she wasn't even really a big footy fan at the time, but she was on the phone to someone talking about how nervous she was <laughs> and I didn't get it. Yeah. And then it was after that that I found out. So, like, I've had all this time of no grand finals pretty much. Yeah. And then two in two years. And, like, it's still a bit surreal to really think that this is actually happening. That's awesome. So so last year's grand final is kind of like because you're old enough to really uh, have experience. Like, I think when you're a kid, because I, I, I was alive when 1990 and 1991 happened. And I, I was too young to appreciate it, really. But I knew it was significant and stuff. And then 20, uh, 2003 rolls around, and we'd had some terrible years before that. Like, just, oh, man, so angry watching some of the teams before that. And then, so 2003 rolls around. And when we won that, I was like, that's my grand final. I'm good now. I've got one. And so last year, or 2020, when we had that ridiculous season, and it was like, it doesn't really matter what happens. I've got 2003. But now you've got your one in 2021 when we won last year. And, I mean, damn, what a way to win it. Like, we beat the Eels. We beat the Storm. Like, we that, that game against Storm is a classic. 
and then to beat the Rabbitohs, just, I mean, I think it makes it all the more special that it was a club like the Rabbitohs too. Yeah, when, like, you think about the, pretty much the first thing that most people think about with a club like the Rabbitohs is that they've won the most premierships. Mm-hmm. And then the same with when you think about Wayne Bennett as a coach is his record with winning grand finals. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that we did have to go through all of those games that we did to even get there really made it so special. And, yeah, like you said, like, I've got my grand final now. I mean, I still hope for more because I want to – be there to witness one mm-hmm. um i've now had to witness us losing one <laughs> which <laughs> wasn't very fun but mm-hmm. yeah now i'm like all right now i hope to have these two experiences because like last year was i mean hopefully we're never going to see a end of season situation like that which kind of makes that a bit special as well in that penrith have won the only ever grand final to have been played at suncorp were you with the uh the grand final celebration day at Penrith Footy Stadium. I think it was in November. Yeah, I was. Yeah, same here. I actually got – I it, when you look at the team – you know how they took a team photo at the end? I'm actually yeah. in that. I managed oh, to make nice. myself visible in it. Yeah, so when I'm an old man, I'll be able to point to it and say, look what I looked like before I was old and decrepit. It'll be great. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so now – We've got so much to talk about. It's cool. So with the new stadium, we've got we got the announcement of the new stadium. Me and Nadine did a podcast last year about what we wanted out of the new stadium. And some of it was pretty basic stuff and some of it was outlandish stuff. Like we believe there should be a 60 foot high statue of Roy Simmons that is, you know, <laughs> has a beer with everyone. But what are some of the things you would like to see at the new stadium? Well, one thing, can I add on for that statue that it be yep. a beer fountain because it's Roycey? Uh, well, we the idea we had, right, is that the statue faces outwards from the stadium and it's there's like a beer garden beneath it and he's holding oh, up a beer, nice. right? Yeah. But then when it gets close to kickoff, it starts to rotate and lift and it goes, <laughs> it sort of faces into the stadium. And then before kickoff, someone like has a cheese sort of beer with a beer can to kick off the game. Oh, that'd actually be really cool. Like it'd be like our, you know what? I want the scoreboard back, but I'd be happy with the scoreboard not coming back if we had the giant Roycey statue. I know. Oh, you know what? I want the old scoreboard back as well. I miss that old scoreboard. Yeah. I want, I want the ground to be in the sort of style that North Queensland's new ground is in. Mm-hmm. where it's two levels for all the way around except for one of the goal ends. And then I want that end to be like the end where the cricket oval is. So that way it's open and the scoreboard can be there. I I think you and me feel the exact same way, yeah. especially considering that then you've got the possibility of you can expand the stadium as well then because you yeah, can exactly. fill that in. Yeah. Or you can even fill it in higher than the rest of the stadium if you need to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like you can you can even put in like, I don't know, temporary seating if you need to for a big game or something. Mm-hmm. Like they did at North Queensland for the Origin last year. Yeah. And and that's for me, I think that you and me kind of feel the same way. Because I I when I've been to Parramatta Stadium, I'm just like, man, just copy paste this stadium. You know, change the outside. Yeah. And it has everything you need, 30,000. It's good for everything up to origin matches and the biggest of big games. But you can move those big games to, you know, the Olympic Stadium if you need to. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it's just and and North Queensland's very similar. It's just missing the end part. It's got um a little bit of different architecture on the outside, which is you know that's all you need. Um, I would also like to see a lot more parking, if possible. <laughs> Um, cause yeah, I don't want to walk to the stadium. I want to step out of the car and basically walk in. Yeah. Well, there's that bloody patch of grass across the road that's fenced off and no one ever uses. And like, I don't know who owns that land, but surely mm. like they could invest in putting a car park in there. Yeah. You'd think so. That one with, there's sometimes horses on it every, every yeah. so often. Yeah. And I swear I, a few years ago, they used to open it up for people to park in there. Mm-hmm. See, I know when I've I've lived like within walking distance of the stadium, um, and that was pretty handy. And then, uh, but and but the parking situation, I, it's not good at very many stadiums in the NRL. And I just think that if the Panthers could sort that out, and they've got the brand new stadium and it's right near the Leagues Club and everything, you know, sort something out where there's maybe a, uh, and so you don't have to wait for the lights. Maybe something that goes over the, um. What's the name of the bloody Mulgoal Road? Yeah. If you, you know, like they have at the Grand Prix, if you could have something like that going over Mulgoal oh, Road. that'd be Road. cool, yeah. And, man, it, it, like it would just be ridiculous. Yeah. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> now who's your favourite current Panther? Uh, James Fisher-Harris. And why is he? Um, I think he's just such a a special kind of front rower in that he's one that you don't get very often the way that he plays where he's like in absolutely every play mm-hmm. and he like just plays with a hundred percent effort and intensity. Like he's an aggressive player, but at the same time, he's not giving away 10 penalties a game. Like you see with some front rowers who lose their heads mm-hmm. and then if needed, he can play 80. And I just think, over the years before these last two and a bit brilliant years, he's there have been times where our team has played like you know pretty shit, and Fisher Harris has sometimes been basically the only bloke who was putting in a hundred percent, especially during 2019. Mm-hmm. And I grew a real fondness for him, especially during that season when he was like our standout player because everyone else had big dips in form, mm-hmm. and. It was, yeah, pretty much since he moved permanently to prop when I think he really started to shine as a player. And I I, I know there's a bit of debate around this because a lot of people think Payne Haas, but I'm 100% of the opinion that he's the best front rower in the NRL at the moment. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because, I, like... I, he's Look, his mobility yeah. is fantastic for a front rower. He's... Uh, and he's a real workhorse and he just, you know, he's the foundation of the Panthers pack where it's just relentless. It's 80 minutes of relentless. They're still, they're still tackling everything. They're still running at us 100%. And it really all starts with him. And, and, you know, we've had Campbell Gillard in the past and other players who've got big raps on them. And, you know, they've, they've kind of had their flaws. He doesn't really have a flaw. No. Yeah, like he might not have that massive game-winning play that Payne Haas has, but he is a 7 out of 10 in his worst game. Mm-hmm. And I I was n- never really a fan of Campbell Gillard. No, not like, always. I, 
I wanted him in reserve grade a lot of the time, mm-hmm. even around when he was getting picked in origin because I just had some serious issues with the way that he played. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Fisher-Harris is basically the opposite kind of player, I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of my dislike of Campbell Gillard endeared me even more to Fisher-Harris. Yeah, and I've always found, and I found this when he was at Panthers, uh, Campbell Gillard, he, he he will do a big run, but he'll get hit hard in a tackle. You will not see him again for the rest of the game. He's gone. Yeah, no. Yeah, like so. that's the thing is he will beat you up if he feels he can. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to fight him back, he'll disappear and he'll just look for the other team's halfback to try and hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, stand up to the front rollers. Like he's doing a lot better now that he's at Parramatta. Um, but I just thought he was very overrated when he was with us. Yeah, so did I. Um, now, all time, who would you say is your favourite player? And you're not allowed to say Brandy because that is just too easy. No, well, I I mean, I love Brandy, but mm-hmm. the fact that he was before my era, I think, helps. Mm-hmm. Um, mine would be Josh Mansour. Oh, really? Yeah. I wasn't expecting you to say him. Why Josh Mansour? Well, well firstly, for years, it was Reese Wesser because mm-hmm. he was the first, my first favourite player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. There was just something about Josh Mansour, maybe in a similar way to Fisher-Harris in that, as a winger, he's not like the most talented player, but he did so much shit work for us with like the garbage meters and the way that he played where he got absolutely everything out of his ability pretty much for us. And I thought, you know, on top of that, he was also just a very good winger where he wasn't like, he might not have been the fastest or the most skillful, but he was still decently quick and had a really good finish on him. And I I thought he was he seemed like a really good character too around the team. Yeah. And I loved his loyalty to us, the amount of times he knocked back bigger contracts from other clubs to stay with us. Well, even this last weekend there's heaps of pictures on the internet of him hanging out with Panthers fans. Yeah. And I thought that that was lovely cuz like you know, he he was kind of moved on a little bit by the club and I think it was the right choice by the club to be honest. Um and he really took it all right. And so to see him really celebrating just being part of that environment last round with the Panthers fans, and he's, you know, he's turning up for the opposition team. It was just really, really nice. And I thought it said a lot about his character. Yeah, I think that was the kind of thing where you can tell that he was a player who'd played like 10 years before being moved on, where he had that maturity to sort of see mm-hmm. that it was a smart, like the club. It wasn't a personal decision. It was just them doing the best for themselves. And yeah, and, like, and I think when you play for the Panthers too, uh, look, unless you're a – look, they moved on James Tarmo, you know. Yeah. That, that you've just – if you're a Panthers player that's, you know, 29 or older, you you just must know, look, I've, I'm they train with these young dudes. They know what's coming, you know. Yeah. So maybe it's just one of those realities that – by the time they do come and tap you on the shoulder, you're like, I was waiting. I knew it was yeah, going to happen. It's, it's kind of the reality of playing at such a development club, I guess. Hey? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, we've got a little bit of news that's happening in the NRL, and, and I thought we'd talk about it. The first thing is Tom Trebojevic is out for four to six weeks. Now, he's undergone surgery. I'm not exactly what sure what the surgery is. Um, 
And of course, it won't let me read it because I haven't paid for the, I haven't paid for the privilege of being lied to by this media organization. But four to six weeks for the Seagulls without Tom Trebojevic, that's a massive blow. Um, and it kind of changes. I mean, you've got to reset what you really think about Manly for the, the next third of the season, really, don't you? Yeah. Like it's so tricky now because the fact that they haven't really looked that good even with him in the team Mm -hmm. and like what are they going to do now who's going to play fullback like are they going to have to put dylan walker there again because like surely they've got better options than that like that cooler guy is all right Mm -hmm. but he's still very raw and like they that surely scratches them out of being a top four contender like i think if he plays the rest of the season, once he gets back, they'll make the eight. Yeah. But, like, it raises so many more questions about the rest of that team because, like, they looked awful without him last year. Mm-hmm. And they've looked so-so at best with him this year. And, like, who's going to step up? Like, Cherry Evans was great on the weekend, but he can't do it all himself. No, it's a, and apparently it's a knee injury he's got, so that's that's really oh, bad news geez. for them. They sit in 10th spot. They play the Newcastle Knights, who are in 8th spot this week. And, look, with Trebojevic, I would have said Manly. But without him and Newcastle, they've had a bit of a rough run. But they've they've still got fight in them, which is good. I think that makes that game really even game. Like, I'm not sure who I'm going to tip in that game now. I'll have to see um, who they do name at fullback. Uh I can't imagine they'd put Saab there. I, I feel like he's not good enough under the high ball. No, no um, I think I think Saab would be very exposed at fullback. Yeah, and I think um, uh, I think Walker might end up being out of that game too because he's he has a bit of an injury himself. Oh, he came off, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So man, there are they've got a bit of a problem there to sort out. The other, I guess, good news is that Daly Cherry Evans. Looks like he's about to sign a two-year contract extension with the Manly Seagulls. So that's good for him because um, – and I think it's good for the game. I want to see DCE retire with the Seagulls, and I think that he's still playing good football. Physically, he still looks fine. So I just don't see any reason why he would – if they can re-sign him and he's happy to be there, I just think it's pretty simple, that one. Yeah, I, I think it would actually be very good for the game for him to be a one-club player. Mm-hmm. And like obviously good for Manly because there's very few top quality sevens going around, and he's definitely one of them. Um, yeah, like like, but it's it's. I I think he will retire there, but I reckon he's got more than two years left in him as well. Like, I don't even think this is going to be his last contract. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I like. I see n- nothing physically that says to me he is. Aging, really, and unlike he is aging, but you don't look at him and say, "Oh, he's lost a step or anything like that." I think what I think one of the things he does do is he doesn't play as physical as he used to, but I think that it's just the maturity of his game. He knows that he can affect the game more through game management and you know organizing the attack. And he's, I mean, he's kicking game on the weekend. He he was oh, yeah amazing. He was that was like. Nathan Cleary level kick and that was amazing stuff he was doing. Yeah, that like that's an aspect of his game that you can tell he's just a very smart player as well. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And while those sort of physical attributes that every athlete at that level has sort of go away as you get to the age that he's at, he's learned how to play without using them. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that, yeah, who kicks a 20-40 and a 40-20 in the same game? <laughs> and, a, and, and a field goal. Yeah. And like you take him out of that game, they might lose. Like yeah. it was just so everything he did, it was like, ah, oh, he's beating them down. He's beating them down. It was incredible to watch. Um, now we've had Peter Volandis. He said something. So, you know, it's always a bad thing. He says that, uh, tomorrow or Tuesday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, there's a commissioners meeting and he is looking to take to the commissioners that wrestling has come back into the game apparently. And that this is a quote from him. We are noticing that the wrestle is working its way back into the game. The commission had previously given an edict to eradicate the wrestle and make sure players aren't slowing down the ruck, but are sneaking back in. We also feel it's important to have a fatigue factor in the game. So we see the best of the likes of James Tedesco, Tom Trebojevic and Kalen Ponga. We will address those issues at the meeting. Um, you're looking forward to some new rule changes one month into the competition? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> who Who is talking to him about the game and advising him on the rules? Mm. Because they don't have a fucking clue what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, like, does he think that it's like 2008 still when wrestling's this really dirty word during that like storm power era mm. or something? Where like, I think everyone recognises that at this point, with the rules that they've set up to bring so much fatigue into the game, the little bit of wrestle actually enhances the quality of the game mm-hmm. because it levels out the game at this point. Like, last year was dead set, like, watching Oztag sometimes. Yeah, last and, year, I mean, I don't know. if I, I feel like last year was the worst year of football I've ever watched. Yeah. I, I, I legitimately turned off a game to put the Wallabies on at halftime at one point last year. Wow. And I have never done that in my life, and I hope I never have to do it again. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and I, I think that the start of this year, what we've seen, I mean, the competition is close again because the rules aren't ridiculous. Um, we've seen basically, you take the West Tigers out of the competition, the competition has been ridiculously close. We've only got one undefeated team left, and Look, even the Dragons pushed the Panthers in that game that they played a few weeks ago. So everyone's competing really well. Um, I just don't see why you would mess with anything. And I mean, I, like I was reading a little bit saying that, well, the wrestling is taking Trebojevic and, and Tedesco out of the game. I tell you what, two weeks ago, I saw South Sydney take uh, Tedesco out of the game by rushing him in attack and making him pass the ball when he didn't want to. So that wasn't wrestling. And Trebojevic being taken out of the game has nothing to do with wrestling. And it's all about kicking at the corners and not giving him space to run. Yeah, like like a lot of um, Trebojevic's issues are the fact that his wingers don't really work for him as hard as they probably should. Mm-hmm. And if you just boot it to them on the last and tackle them quickly, then he has no help getting out of danger. And they're stuck there because his forward pack also sucks. And like, it's not as if... 2022 has killed the fullback because like you look at the performances of players like Dylan Edwards and Ryan Pappenhausen so far this year, and you wouldn't exactly say that fullbacks can't flourish in the game that we've seen so far. 
And I just don't understand where he gets this idea from and like who like who is saying this to him because he can't be coming up with this all by himself no well it reminds me of when they brought in that rule where if you kick it dead it's seven tackles for some reason and they were like well we're trying to stop teams from just kicking it dead because they're taking greg inglis and billy slater and the likes out the game and i'm watching that and i'm thinking you mean the guys that keep fucking dominating every single week like you can't take those plays out of the game. They're they're killing everyone. Like and to bring in these rules because of a, a couple of plays. Like Callum Pong has hardly played football this year. He's been yeah. injured most of the time. Yeah, and like Newcastle haven't struggled for that fact. Like they've been great. They've been better mm. than they were last year, if anything. And they made the finals last year. Yep. What it's done is it's forced the rest of the team to step up. And then for the Roosters and the Seagulls, it's probably highlighted a few issues in their teams. Like, I don't see how this is a bad thing at all, what's happening. And I think the overwhelming reaction from pretty much everybody on social media has shown that, like, Volandis isn't talking to general members of the public who actually watch and care about the product that's on the field. Yeah, because it's been good. It's been really good. And, uh, I mean, the only games that I think have been not great this whole year was this last Super Saturday we had, which I think it was just the universe reminding us that football can be bad and three games in a row can be terrible to watch. But outside of that, the the games have been really good. Um, Now, Todd Payton had a bit of a whinge about teams that basically his thought was that bigger clubs and better clubs and clubs with star players, they tend to get more calls than teams that aren't going as well. Look, I'd be saying that too if I was Todd Payton and I coached the Cowboys because <laughs> it can't be Todd Payton. can't be his coaching, right? Um, but once again, we see lots of whinging by coaches because it's never the coach's fault for losing games. And, uh, you know, Graham Annesley is absolutely terrible at taking those criticisms and then just destroying his own refereeing ranks over it. And they're just so reactionary at the NRL. It's very strange. Yeah, I I really don't like the way that we're seeing it. Like, we've always seen coaches complain about refereeing decisions, like, after a loss. But the way that it's crept in that, like, coaches of teams are now complaining that the big clubs get all the calls. Because, like, when you look at the big clubs, a lot of them, like the traditional big clubs, aren't actually performing that well and aren't dominating penalty counts. And especially when you look at well, – they versed the Roosters, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And the Roosters are pretty historic for the past 10 years of like pretty much always losing the penalty count. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure it was like under Ben Cummins as a referee, they've won something like 20% of the penalty counts in the games that he's refed since Trent Robinson's been their coach. Mm. And it just shows that it's it's a myth. Like there probably is like something to sh- say that big clubs – or the better performing clubs get more calls, but that's probably because they got the ball more. Like, yes. It's yeah. pretty hard to be offside if you're dominating possession. And it's pretty easy to be offside if you have shit completions and shit attack and you're constantly giving away penalties because you're just tiring yourself out more. And that's how penalties end up happening. Yeah. And like I know last year there was a, 
And it's sometimes these geniuses get ideas in their head and enough people say that it's like, well, it must be true. And one of the things last year was that oh, Penrith was gaming the system with the way that they were giving away a six again early on and they'd set their defence and the new rules will sort them out. Well, the new rules have come in and the Panthers are unbeaten still and look, I mean, their defence, they're the best defensive team I've ever seen. And there's no way around that. Um, the rule doesn't matter what rules they played under, they'd still be the best defensive team in the league. And, you know, as you say, there was a, even when the Roosters were at their very best, they were one of the worst at giving away penalties. So it's, it's not like they weren't being judged by referees because they're a better team. They like you give away penalties, you give away penalties. So if you don't want to do it, you know, don't give away the penalties. It's, it's really pretty simple. Yeah. Like, like, like Penrith are like this incredible defensive team. And I don't think like we've had teams that have conceded an average of less points a season than mm-hmm. Penrith, like only a few, mm. but those teams have also been in very uneven comps when you think about like pre salary cap era and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think makes it even more impressive Penrith's defense. And then, yeah, with the penalties, like, like with the Roosters, they have Jarabuiria Hargreaves in their team. You can't say that they don't get penalised. Yeah, and Victor Radley as well. Yeah, like Victor Radley like does overstep it with his tackle technique quite a bit, <laughs> but sometimes it does feel like he can't breathe on a defender without getting put on report. Yeah, well, remember that game last year where I think he was sent to the bin twice and it just seemed like for whatever reason they didn't want him on the field that day. And it was a very, very strange sort of situation where he couldn't do anything right. Um, I, I just think that the, you know, if I was running the referees and any time a, a coach called me, I'd just leave the light blinking on the phone. I just wouldn't answer the call because there's nothing a coach needs to say to the head of the referees. Unfortunately, Graham Annesley is the complete opposite of that. He will take the call. He'll air that coach's grievances. He'll agree with it. And then he'll do his PowerPoint presentation on Monday telling everyone why his refereeing ranks are terrible and are making mistakes. It's it's unbelievable. And look, that's why the referees are so skittish at the moment because their boss is destroying them every week. It's It's a really weird situation. Yeah, like the fact that I think a great example is – when Nelson Asafa Solomona hit Makatoa mm-hmm. and nothing was done about it and he came out and criticized that it should have been a penalty and he should have been sin binned or whatever. Which like that is correct. But why can't he just say that internally to the referees? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I get the whole like maybe you want to send out a message to clubs that they can't be doing that. But then also send out a message to the clubs privately saying this should have been a penalty and we're going to crack down on behavior like this mm-hmm. because the, like, what, why do they announce these crackdowns and stuff like that as well? Well, I think I remember there was one round of football, man, it must've been 15 years ago now. And it was a big game. It might've been like, I think it was Panthers versus Parramatta. And it was just this game. Everyone was looking forward to. And they were going to crack. They were cracking down on like, um, it wasn't wrestling. It was something weird in the rock, though, that they were trying to crack down on, and they just ruined it. It might have been something like putting your foot on the ball, something really weird like that, and they just ruined this super-anticipated game of football. And then 
it was kind of like I remember Magic Round a couple of years ago where they just ruined Magic Round yeah. by bringing in all these rules and anytime somebody looked at someone weird they got sent to the bin for ten and just ruined the whole round of footy. Um so I don't mind them coming out and saying, look, we've noticed this trend and we're just going to keep an eye on it. But I don't like it when they, they're super aggressive with it. And I, and I think that the referees wouldn't want to be super aggressive with these calls. But the problem is that their boss is calling them out publicly if they're not doing exactly what he tells them to do. Because like, it's just this weird situation. We shouldn't really be thinking about Graham Mannersley at all. And yet every single week he is going to the media and has something to say. It's like, Graham, that's not your fucking job, mate. Your job, is <laughs> to make sure, your job is to make sure there's enough referees and that everything's running fine. We shouldn't be hearing from him at all. No. And like, like they, it feels like him and Peter Volandis and a few of the others at the NRL seem to care more about PR Mm-hmm. And, like, you look at the referees and, like, I don't really think there's any out there where you can look at them and go, they are 100% a bad referee. Mm-hmm. Because every referee has their strengths and their flaws, just like the players and the coaches and everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. But they seem to just love, like, throwing them out to the wolves and going, don't worry, we're going to fix it. Because all their buddies at, you know, Channel 9 and Fox as well, like, eat that shit up straight away. Yeah. Yeah, and look, that the last weekend we saw a lot of those media types that were coming out and saying, we've got to get rid of the cannonball tackle because we'd seen one that was really bad. And yeah. then any time anybody was tackled around the legs last round, you were worried that they were going to give away penalty. And look, there was a couple of – there was a – uh, Carrigan up there in Brisbane, he he got injured in a tackle, but it yeah. wasn't a cannonball tackle. It was just a, it, you know, he was tackled from behind. And then there was another tackle. They're saying, well, this is a hip toss tackle. And it's like, no, it's another dude that was tackled from behind. Um, I, I just, it's, it's frustrating because what you see on the field and when you're watching the games and you're really sitting down watching all the games, like I'm sure you do as well, um, you can, and then you listen to what some of the corporate media people say. There's a super big disconnect between what you're seeing and what you're hearing. And unfortunately, because they've got the biggest voices, because they've got the, you know, the biggest distribution, they're the voices that end up carrying too much weight. Yeah, like it's that you can tell that they have their like. They must have a list of journalists who are favourable to them mm-hmm. and they know who to call to send out a message when they want to push an agenda. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they do that with certain tackles and, you know, certain things like, yeah, playing the ball properly and stuff like that. And, yeah, like Magic Round, they, like it was very clear who was for it and who was against it mm-hmm. pretty much based on who they worked for. Yeah, yeah. And it did ruin Magic Round. Um, it really pissed me off because I flew up there for it. Ah, uh, did you? So t- okay, so tell me, tell me what's that? That's like because you don't know it's about to happen, right? And you are geared up. You've spent money. You've gone up. You don't even know if you're going to get there because of COVID and restrictions and all that. You finally get there. Yeah, ready to go. And then all the fucking games are ruined. Tell me what you were thinking. 
Well, the first game, like, there were a few where, like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's a bit harsh, you know. Mm-hmm. And because it's a weird atmosphere already where there's fans of all different clubs all around each other. And so, like, you kind of weirdly get along and you're talking to strangers and that because you're all just there because you love footy. Mm-hmm. And you're all, like, you know, yeah, having a bit of conversation about, like, oh, that, yeah, that, I don't know, that that's a bit harsh and stuff like that. And then in the second game of the night, I think there were, like, three sin bins. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, this is kind of ruined the contest a bit. Mm-hmm. And then that night was, like, when the media started going on about it because they didn't really announce it until just before the game started that they were doing this. Yeah, yeah. And so it, was, it wasn't until that night when we heard from, like, the coaches in the press conferences and stuff like that and we had people on panels on the footy shows and that talking about it, that you really got a gauge of how everyone else was feeling about it. And then the next day was the day that we saw, I think, two send-offs. And the first one against um, Josh Papali'i, like, the crowd was shocked. Yeah. And we just sat there, like, silently, like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, it feels like you can't do anything at the moment. And, like, because everyone wants, you know, high tackles to be penalties, obviously. But the way that they went about it and in such a high-profile way and at an event like that where not only is it just dumb to do it in the middle of the season, but to do it at an event where people have paid a lot of money to fly from all up and down the east coast of Australia to be there and risked you know, losing a lot of money due to COVID, it was so strange. And it did create a bit of a weird atmosphere where, like, the footy almost became irrelevant because you like you didn't really care. You were yeah. like, oh, well, let's just enjoy the fact that we're up in Brisbane. Yep, yep. And it went from being a festival of footy to just like, oh, let's just talk to other footy fans. <laughs> Jeez, that's so strange. It's weird when you're in a – when you're at a ground and like there's a I, – I guess you can say there's a kind of a regular football atmosphere that you're used to. But then when there's an atmosphere that's different, like I remember going to a game between Tonga and Samara at Penrith Footy Stadium about 10 yep. years ago, and that was uh, that's the greatest atmosphere I've ever been in. It, it was just this completely different to anything I've ever been involved in. I've been to uh, Super League games where, you know, that was very, very different. Um I remember one Super League game. I don't remember the first half. I was too drunk, but I know I was singing with all the Hull FC fans. That was pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, I Then the other one for me, it was probably the 2008 World Cup where the final where you're there and, and Australia had won everything for forever. And then all of a sudden, like New Zealand gets ahead and it's like, hang on a second, this is happening. And there was this, there was this excited murmur around the ground. Everyone was kind of excited because everyone even even me as an Australian fan I'm like oh my god is this going to happen is New Zealand going to win this game this is kind of cool and so it, it I guess that's the other one that you've been involved in where it's like people are like what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah like like the first night itself was really funny because we were sat in front of a bunch of drunk Broncos fans who were just crying the whole time about the fact that their team was really shit <laughs> and they were just laying into them because it's all they could do. <laughs> and so, like, it started as a really fun atmosphere. Yeah. And then, like, it just became worse and worse <laughs> and worse in terms of the on-field product. <laughs> and 
it just became irrelevant and it was just like a bunch of people sitting around the grass talking to each other. Wow. Like, I remember true. one of the games, like, cause you, you were able to walk in and out of the ground as you wish. And there was this like outside area that they had set up. And one of the games, it was the Storm Dragons game. We didn't even go into the ground at all for it. Yeah. We took that as a two hour window to just walk around outside and see what they've got out there. Wow. And like when you think about the fact that we've gone all this way just for the footy and we mm. skipped a game. Like It says it all really hard. Yeah. It's uh yeah, that that's uh that's terrible. That was, that was oh man. I I think the the overwhelming like everyone hated that. I don't think there was anyone that thought that that was cool what they did that round. Yeah, no. And it was like especially since I think everyone's okay with the idea mm-hmm. of us eliminating players getting brain damage. Like, that's yeah. fine. 100%. Everyone's sweet with that. Protect people's heads. But there's a way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And this current administration that we've seen have shown that they like to get things done, but they have a really strange way of doing it. Yeah, and, and the thing that concerns me about and we've had alan pierce on professor alan pierce dr alan pierce we've had him on a couple of times he's going to come on again in the near future and he's involved in the uh brain bank and and uh he's been fantastic we did a couple of really good episodes in regards to uh brain injury and cte and and all the developments there the thing that i feel like they completely miss on is the treatment side of it. And if you get a head knock, I I think when you get a head knock, we're still seeing too many players get knocked out really badly and then they're back the next week. And there are, you know, there's the opposite of that too. I mean, you look at Pappenhausen last year where he got a really bad head knock and he was out for like 10 weeks to recover because he needed those 10 weeks to recover. But then I do think we're seeing some players that are getting head knocks and they're coming back way too quickly. And I feel like that's the side of concussion that is there's a lot of improvement that can happen um, because it's very rare that you're seeing guys really properly get hit in illegal tackles and getting knocked out. Like you'll see guys that, um, you know, maybe a tackler that gets their head in the wrong place and that's an accident. And you're never, ever going to be able to stop that. You know, that's about technique and and trying to not get in a bad situation. But the ones where somebody knocks someone's head off, we're seeing, we haven't been seeing very many of them for, you know, probably 15, 20 years now. Yeah, like I think, I reckon, I, I mean, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I reckon we get more head knocks and concussions from players making tackles and mm. putting their head in the wrong spot mm-hmm. than we do players getting tackled and getting knocked out mm-hmm. because like players that train so hard on the target area that they've got to hit. And then you think about how powerful players are now that pretty much every part of the body is pretty rock solid if it hits you. Yeah. And like, yeah, you, we don't see these like deliberate acts of foul play unless your name's Mitch Barnett. 
And, <laughs> and like, like that is the it's only... not his go, mate. I know he's nah, done nah, a bunch of times, work. but it's not his go. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only example like that that I can think of off yeah. the top of my head at the moment. Yeah. And like, like there will be the odd one every couple of years. And this is just the recent example of it. And yeah, like I think the fact that you were able to recite the Ryan Pappenhausen example off the top of your head is pretty bad because you knew one straight away because it's the only one mm. like, like he got given the proper time to recover. Whereas every other team, I think they just follow that set protocol of, Oh, well they can't play if the next game's within like eight days or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they just bring them back straight away. Yeah. And yeah, so, no. yeah, I think that is a big issue with the treatment around it as well. And I think that is what should be looked at more than, yeah, like the actual in-game scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's uh, – I just feel as though – and I've seen rugby league over the years that they really have tried to do their best, but the knowledge base that we have is exploded with uh, concussions over the last 20 years. And, and so you, there's just so much more known about it, and I just feel as though it's that – keeping players off the field so they can recover fully. I just feel as though that's the area that needs to be looked at a bit more. Um, Is there anything in the game that you find you would like to see changed or that when you watch it, you're like, oh, man, I don't like that aspect of it? Or even just in the running of the sport uh, outside of Peter Volandis and Graham Annesley because we've (laughs) talked about that. Um, I don't like the Friday night 6 p.m. slot. Oh, don't ya? No. That's interesting because I don't mind it. I I prefer it over the Thursday night one. Yeah, I don't really like Thursday either. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I get and I like I used to like Monday night footy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get that you've probably got to have one in either of those two. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, like I thought you and Andrew made a great point the other week when you were talking about expansion franchises and how the time zones could really help with things like the the Friday 6 p.m. game. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if there was a second New Zealand team, because that would be what, 9 p.m. over there? Yeah, I think, is it 9 or 8 p.m.? I th- maybe it depends I think it on daylight savings. I think it depends on daylight savings, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah where, like, I think. If there were two New Zealand teams, that would really help. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the moment, I just think that, like, it's too hard for people to get to certain games for a Friday 6 p.m. Yeah, I get that. I, th- I think that, um, you know, there's some sometimes there'll, there'll be games that you'll see it at a 6 p.m. and you'll be like, yeah, I understand that. Like, I feel as though it's not too bad for Penrith, but then... Somewhere like if you're playing a game at the, say, the SFS when that's restarted at, at 6 p.m., it's like, good luck. You're, you're not getting there. Yeah. You know? Um, or a, a weird one might be the up in Townsville at 6 p.m. on a Friday because, like, they, I know they get a lot of regional people coming in and it's, you know, when are they having a knockoff work to get to Townsville Stadium by 6 p.m. kickoff? Like, that just doesn't really work for them. Um, so I do think that it can work in certain circumstances, but then there's other ones, yeah, you just watch it and you're like, there's no one there. 
because they can't get there in time. Yeah, well, like, and I also think for the first, like, what, month or whatever of the season, it rules out any Queensland teams from even having that time slot because they don't have daylight savings, so it's 5pm for them. Yeah, it's it's 5 p.m. and also 1960 for them up there. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a interesting one. I, like, I also think that those games that kick off at 8 p.m. it's too late. I think it should be at least 7:30 at the latest. Yeah, because you know you kind of want to be able to have. I know I know even 7:30 is pretty late for young, really young kids to watch the game. But at least you can watch a game that kicks off at maybe 7.30. It's over at 9.30. You know, your kids can go to school the next day and, and be fine. They'll still get a decent night's sleep. When it, You know, when the game's finishing at 10 p.m., it's just too late. Yeah, especially if they insist on having a game on either a Thursday or a Monday. Yeah, yeah. Like an 8 p.m. on a Thursday is just far too late for people. Yeah, look, I watch those games and... I don't think there's been one so far where I haven't been thinking, man, this is ridiculous. We've got to wait until 8 o'clock for this game. It's just yeah. silly. Um, but, yeah, and, and Monday night, I, they tried Monday night for so long and it just didn't work, unfortunately. But I think eventually, like, when we get enough teams, I think we're going to have footy on seven days a week. I think we'll end up with a almost like – the Premier League or or even the NBA where it's just this we instead of having rounds it's just a rolling schedule of games. Yeah. I, would be, I almost like that. I wouldn't mind it at all. I, I think that the days of because you've got so much information available to you now especially that you can know in the split second when a de- a team is playing next. I don't think you need to be able to say, well it's this weekend, this weekend, this weekend, this weekend. I think it'd be fine to be you know, if you had a game that was at 7.30 on a Wednesday evening, we've seen that works with Origin. Yeah. You know, um, if, as long as they were smart with how they scheduled it, I wouldn't see any problems with that. But that's when you're down to – that might be when we have 22 teams or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like if it's something like, you know, Redcliffe versus Brisbane, mm-hmm. you can probably get away with it because yeah. you know it will get a crowd either way and people won't have to travel too far. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what would you call Redcliffe, Redcliffe, by the way? Would you call them Redcliffe Dolphins? I'd call them Redcliffe just because um, I just really like the the difference in it, and I want them to like play all of their games out of Redcliffe as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I've, I've, sorry, yeah, I've just I've never been the biggest fan of needing a second Brisbane team. Mm-hmm. Because I've like I've 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 understood the merits and I get that it probably will work, but I've just thought that while we all love to hate the Broncos, they are one of the true genuine successes on and off the field consistently throughout the history of rugby league in Australia, mm-hmm. and I don't get why we would want to step on their toes a bit and take a bit away from that. Yeah, I get that. I I know I've heard the Broncos in in the past they used to be like no we don't want anyone here but in over the last probably decade or so and going back maybe a little bit further i know they've talked about how their their sponsorship was at a point where they were turning sponsors away yeah um i do worry about splitting the supporter base there a little bit because the broncos crowds 
especially when they're not going well. When they're not going well, they still get good crowds. Let's let's not get get that yeah. wrong. But um, you know, you would like to see it where when they play the Cowboys, they are definitely getting like forty thousand to the to the game. You, you don't want to see that cut down so that when they play the Cowboys, they're getting thirty thousand to the game because there's a lot of people went to Redcliffe. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think having those two games in Brisbane for TV is massive. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's important to make sure that we don't undermine teams. I think that's why we can't ever have a, a Central Coast team join the yeah. NRL because you'd screw over Manly, who's a privately owned club, and then you'd screw over the Knights, who, you know, they just get kind of get by for the most part. And I don't want to see any club sort of undermined by that. And I tell you, the... Sometimes people say that about the New Zealand Warriors, that the Warriors need, need you know, to have that exclusivity over New Zealand. I think putting a second team in New Zealand would make the Warriors so much better. Yeah, I think, I think they'd get their act together a bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, where would you put an expansion team? Uh, I'd definitely put one in New Zealand. Yep. Um, I would have put them there before Redcliffe. Mm-hmm. Um and I would have gone Perth as well, just like for the pure time zone perspective of the late games as well. Yeah. Um, but like I, I do like the idea of another Queensland team. And so like I'm not like angry that they're in. Yeah. But I also wouldn't have been mad to see us test out Adelaide again. Like I think there's something there. So do I, hey. I feel like it's a I f- I feel like it's not an obvious one, but I feel like the Adelaide market would receive something different pretty happily. Yeah. And, like, would you call them the Rams as well? I I would, just because it's a cool name. It kind of is, hey? It's, yeah. it's weird how it's stuck. Yeah. What about the Perth team? What would you call the Perth team? That's the thing is, like, I, I'm not sure if I love or hate the Rams name. Okay. I'm really not. I'm really not sold on that West Coast Pirates thing that they've got. No, neither am I. I think um, that's terrible. Yeah, I think that sounds like a bit too hard. Like they're trying to be like an NBA team. You know what uh, it reminds me of is when the Toronto Raptors were called the Raptors because the uh, Jurassic Park had come out, and oh, so geez. the Raptors were all the thing. And I feel like the Pirates' name was when Pirates of the Caribbean come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to get Johnny Depp to come to a game or something. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he's allowed to now. He's not with Amber Heard. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he doesn't bring his dogs. I I totally want want Perth Quokkas. I think that calling them Quokkas (laughs) would be just an – I just think because of Quokkas, number one, they're the most adorable animal in the world. Yeah. Number two, just the idea of having this logo that's trying to look mean but is so fucking damn cute. I think that would be amazing. I remember um, when I was, like, you know, 16 or something, I came up with the – like, I just wanted to work out who I thought would sign for a Perth team. Mm-hmm. And I came up with the, the West Coast Koalas. But I oh, think Quokkas is even better because it's specifically WA. And I feel like you'd get, like, you'd get tourism sponsorship. Like, tourism Western Australia would want to jump on board straight away because people so. would be going, what's a Quokka? I tell you what, I like that name though, West Coast Koalas. I really like that name. Yeah, you got to make it like a bit of a badass koala, like maybe oh. like, 
like that like late 90s NRL logo era where it was all like people with like angry grins and stuff like that. Like maybe it's like a koala flexing a bicep or something. <laughs> or a koala like showing its like ridiculously sharp claws. Yeah. Yeah, and then we make it red and black and finally the bears can stop trying to chime in on every expansion. Dude, this is a fucking great idea. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, give oh. give Greg Florimo a job with them and then we're sweet. <laughs> Greg Florimo got a job running that team. You'd never hear North Sydney's name again. No. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's so damn cool, that idea. Ah, oh, that's my new favourite idea. Yeah, fuck, we've got to send this to PVL. That's fucking great. Yeah, we've got to get all of the old alcoholic journalists to know about this one. We've got to fucking get Andrew Johns. We've got to find whatever pub he's in right now. Tell him. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta wake up old mate that's passed down on a car. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, that's such a cool idea though. West Coast koalas. I fucking love that one. Yeah, oh, that's see, brilliant. We, you know, we're we're here to talk about how good the Panthers are, but we're also here to save the game. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know. Panthers fans, which we're always trying to hold up this game, always giving other teams their best players. You know, here's Matt Burton. We'll be fine. Here's Brad Fittler. We'll be fine. We'll beat him in the grand final. We'll be fine. Yeah. Like, like where would Parramatta be without Wonga Blake right now? Come on. Exactly. Exactly. Did you say, did you watch the, uh, the Wonga Blake? He's had two of those Wonga Blake games. You know how he has two games every year that you're like, damn, he looks like Greg Inglis. And then he's had them already. Yeah, that 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 uh that strip try, mm. that was that was something where I think I, I tweeted that um a tear in the eye, I have a tear in my eye over the eighteen year old version of myself that was telling everyone that Wonga Blake had that play in his locker. So invest, you, that's the thing, Panthers fans, you'd invest, you'd be like, seriously, oh, you, did you see him in round six? Yeah, it was amazing, and it's like, dude, it's round eighteen now. It's like, yeah, but he's got another one of those in him. You watch. Yeah, like in 2015, I was telling people, like, don't worry, as soon as like, as long as he just holds the ball, he's sweet, <laughs> and it's just never stopped. But <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's hilarious. It's so true. Oh my god. So who do you think going back to the uh, premiers, the undefeated world champions? Um, who do you think are the teams we got to? We're going to really have to beat to beat, to win the premiership. Uh, I think Melbourne still look pretty decent. Like the yeah. fact that they they looked like kind of they had average performances for the first two weeks, mm-hmm. and they still won. And then round three, like Parramatta seemed to be a kind of their bogey at the moment, but they still played great. And then yesterday, like I didn't see the game because I was on my way to the Parramatta game. Um, but like they just put the cleaners through them, didn't they? Yeah. And I think I think they'll like as long as Bellamy's there, they'll always be there at the end of the year. I think. Um, and I think Parramatta as well. Like Parramatta seem to have nailed how to play against the better teams, mm-hmm. and as long as they sort of work out how to just stay consistent even when they're versing the sort of like the so-so teams, like the teams that are kind of in the hunt for the eight, then I think they'll take a massive step up. And like we saw the way they played against us in the finals last year. 
Like, they could have easily won that game. And I think if they play the same way that they played in that game, they would have beaten Melbourne in the prelim and South in the grand final, I think. I, te- I tend to agree with you. That game was a real – it was a bloody arm wrestle. Yeah. And it was – the the game we played against Melbourne, it was a little bit different because the stakes were so much higher just in the fact of if we had have lost to Melbourne, then all of a sudden – We've got this. It's like a monkey on the back. Like yeah. we can't, we couldn't beat Melbourne twice now when it mattered. Um, and that game, but that game was a real arm wrestle against Parramatta. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how they go. I think we play them in about eight weeks from now. We have them in uh, round nine. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've we're not that far away. You know, I think our form is going to be pretty damn good by then. I think when you look at the draw, like uh, we play the Bulldogs this week, that's going to be a training run. Yeah. And we play, it's like, the, I'd be more worried about the bye. Um, yeah. And, and then we play the Broncos who aren't that great. Uh, we play our Canberra Raiders who we own their soul. Um, so they're not much of a concern. The Titans, you never know which Titans team is going to turn up. And then it's the Eels. It's very conceivable that we are unbeaten by them. So, man, that's going to be a hell of a game, though. Yeah, I, I was like looking at it yesterday in the draw because um, my girlfriend's a Parramatta fan, so like we were just trying to work out when that game was. Mm-hmm. And I saw that it's a Friday night at Penrith, and, like, I got, like, a shiver about how excited I was for it. Yeah, yeah. I I was – I think I was at the last game they played um, last year when they played them at at Penrith Footy Stadium. It might have been one of the last games you're allowed to attend from memory, unless I'm getting my games mixed up and it was the year before, but where we just strangled the Eels. You know how we put in those performances sometimes where – we just strangle a team out of the game, you know, and there's nothing they can do. Um, yeah. I think if we did that to Parramatta again, I feel like it would it would be a little bit of a monkey on their back where they're like, oh, jeez, man, we, we're just not getting it over this Panthers team. But, they've, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter if you beat us in the finals. Um, and after them, we play the Storm, which is just going to be a colossal game. It's going to be amazing. I think that'll that'll be like... The way that our games against the Storm have lifted to such a level, especially, like, since the 2020 Grand Final, mm-hmm. because, like, like they, we were their training run for, like, 10 years. Yeah. Like, even when we had good teams, we couldn't beat them. And yep. the fact that, like, you can tell that there are just a few teams that our players hate. Souths and the Storm are definitely two of them. And, like, every play, like, every tackle when you're at the ground is one that you can hear. Mm-hmm. Like, normally you can hear them, like, when they're, like, returns off dropouts or kickoffs when it's, like, front rowers running at each other. But every single tackle in those games comes with an intensity where you go, oh, thank fuck, I'm not playing in that. <laughs> and I reckon that's going to be that again. And do, do we know if that's at Penrith or in Melbourne? That I think it said it was at uh, oh, that's Magic uh, Round. Yeah, Magic Round. That's right. I'm going to be there. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's I'm trying it again this year, seeing if it works. <laughs> Hopefully they don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> if not, I think I'm just going to get very drunk. <laughs> so, and then, um, I, I, I tend to think the roosters aren't a contender with us. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I was a person who I was all in on the roosters before the season started. Yeah. And I think the, the logic was there. Um, of course I'm saying that because I'm one of the people who had that opinion. Um, <laughs> that like, if they did that well with these kids, imagine how much better these kids are going to be when they've got the seasoned players back in the team. Yeah. But like, they just seem so impatient when things aren't going their way at the moment. And they also seem, and I've said this a million times on the podcast, they, we've seen a couple of teams really take the game to them and they didn't want to go. Yeah. That, you know, we saw the Knights do it and the Knights just simply took the game to them and Souths did it as well. Um, and I, I mean, there's no team does that better than Penrith at the moment. So that's going to be interesting. I, when coming into the season, I was kind of like you. I was like, logic says they should be that, that last year should be really good for them. But are they going to be really good? I, I just, I wasn't sure. And I, I agree with you. They look like a team that's been very impatient. I think Kiri, if I, I think he's going to get a tap. The, you know that famous we rooster sing, we love him. He's one of ours. He's one of ours. Oh, you're out. You're an out. Get out yeah. the door. You know. Mitch Pierce. Yeah, they do. There was so many fucking players. Uh, he'll be a West Tiger in two years' time. Um, Oof. <laughs> uh, and outside of. Those teams, like, a, you know, Cronulla, I think it's a bit early for them. They're a solid team, but I don't think they can go with this. The the Raiders, we still haven't given them the the, the Viking clap back, so they're not going to do shit against <laughs> us. And the Rabbitohs still don't have a halfback, and that's a big problem. Yeah, like, with those teams in particular, like the Sharks, I, I think they are... 12 months away from potentially being a premiership winning team. Mm -hmm. I just think they need to like, I think they need a bit of a attitude fix up with their defense. And I think that's something that they can achieve. And I think once that is there, they have all the pieces to the puzzle, but I think they're just like, they're not quite there yet. And they might find their way into fourth, but I I think that's the highest that they go. Mm -hmm. And then the Raiders, like, you genuinely have no idea which Raiders is going to turn up each week. Yeah, and it can be, like, it's weird. It can be that you can watch them sometimes and say, this team is dreadful and they need a complete rebuild. And then other times you're like, you know what, they're pretty solid. They're a sixth, seventh team, you know, in the competition. Yeah. Well, the Titans uh, game showed it. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. I tell you what, the Chance Nickel Clogstad, as soon as he cut his hair off, different player. He needs to grow his hair. I'd be getting some of that fucking Rogaine shit and just pouring it all over him every day. I, I want to see him come out and looking like the fucking hairiest dude in the world. So he's back to his best. Yeah, like he is Dylan Edwards and Clint Gutherson, but with less ability, but a cooler name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know what? Oh, man. I saw somebody on my Twitter feed, and it was in one of the games he was having a really bad, bad game. You know how he, he changed his name? It was like Clogstad, and then it was – I can't even remember what it is now. It's like – It's Klukstar now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw somebody in my Twitter feeds call him Chance Nickel Coxlut, and I was like, that's super inappropriate, dude. You can't say that. 
but it was pretty funny at the same time. <laughs> it's, right. it's when we go, I don't want to laugh at it. Yeah, I felt bad for laughing at it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's it's going to be an interesting season. We're in a box seat right now as Panthers fans. Hopefully it stays that way, touch wood. Um, but I, I, I know that you probably would feel the same way. Everything's gravy from this point on, hey? Yeah, no, I, I, I was, I tipped us to win the go back to back, and I think that everything we've seen so far, like there's been nothing to convince me otherwise. Yeah, like the games against Souths and Manly, like we were pretty comprehensive, and the Dragons and the Knights games were a bit, a bit shaky, but I think that's more just about how much more even the competition is. Yeah. And I think that makes it an even bigger compliment to Penrith, the fact that we're four from four. Yeah. And I think it just shows that the rule, it wasn't just that the rules were specific to us and that we were just an Oz tag team. No, it just shows we were fucking better than everyone else. Yeah. Premier's so good. Look, thank you for coming on. It's been awesome to talk to you. I'll have you back on the podcast a bunch of times during the season if you'd love to come back. Yeah, of course. Um, once I get a microphone again. <laughs> yeah, look, your phone sounds great. I don't know what type of phone you've got, but it sounds fantastic. Makes it, Sometimes people, you, you talk to them on the podcast and they're like, oh, yeah, just on my phone. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just spent hundreds of dollars on a fucking microphone. It sounds about the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's funny like that. So, t- once again, tell us where we can find you on Twitter and then plug the hell out of your podcast. Uh, well, my Twitter name is at Jack O'Mato. Uh, follow me on there if you want to see me just tweeting some absolute bullshit. Like, I know that what I'm saying is a pile of crap, and I'm just doing it to get bites most of the time. And so thank you to everyone who does react badly, because you're feeding me the way that I want to be fed. You're giving me the attention that I crave, so thank you. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll go a few days without doing it, and then I go, I miss my like button, like, going up. <laughs> and I'll it's, tweet something just slandering para or whatever. Yeah, or or you'll be watching the West Tigers and you're like, oh, don't do it. I I gotta say it. I gotta say it. Yeah, yeah I'm like this is free money here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. And tell us about uh, the podcast. When is the best time to listen into it? And uh, like, so what's your schedule on it? And, and and what's the how long does it go for? What's the general gist of it? Okay, so I am one of two hosts for a podcast called The Big Cat Chat, Mm -hmm. which is part of the Sports Best Friends Network. So if you look up Sports Best Friends on wherever you get your podcasts, it'll be under that. And we come out once a week. It usually gets uploaded either very late Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, We It's me and Nat Sinclair, Mm -hmm. who is just – a very articulate and <laughs> well-spoken person who she knows what she's talking about with rugby league mm-hmm. where I just, you know, go for shit takes. Um, <laughs> and, and we're just two massive Penrith Panthers fans and we just love to talk about whatever's been happening that week. Uh, talk about our experiences watching the games, our experiences with, you know, any times that we've met players that we liked or maybe didn't like. Uh, we love to just chat shit. If the club makes any decision we don't like, um, which tends to happen 
a bit more than I'd like, but um, like we don't want to be, you know, cheerleaders for the club like you see in some parts of the media with every footy team. Yeah, there's uh, we, there's some there's sometimes you'll get a a podcast and it's like, oh, our team's wonderful, it can't do any wrong, and I, I just can't listen to that sort of stuff. Yeah, like like we were talking about um on our last episode the fact that we managed to pencil in every single episode just pointing out to everyone that we don't like Tyrone May. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, we just got to make sure no one forgets that. Yeah. But do you know what? I I don't think I have yet to talk to a Panthers fan that has said anything other than I, I hate that he's on the team and I'm so glad he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like it, it, because it's something that people tend to try and throw at us. Mm is, oh, you have Tyron May, or you had Tyron May. Mm. And we're like, hey, we didn't fucking want him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's shit at footy and a shit human. So, <laughs> Like, there was, I know that there was secretly part of every single Panthers fan that when he was going on after the grand final, that was like, yes, keep going, Tyron. Get yourself sacked. Just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I was disgusted with what he said. Yeah. But I thought, that's got to be the nail in the coffin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that look, I, I was getting messages from people that were like, this has got to be it, right? And thankfully it was. Yeah. Like, it, it took a few more days than I thought it would, mm. but I was so glad that it finally happened. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we just – we talk about whatever we want with the Panthers, whatever's happening that week. We don't really have a a set thing. We just sort of review the game that happened, preview the next one, and then, yeah, if there's any news, we talk about that. Um we tend to go on and on and on about how much we love Dylan Edwards and Mitch Kenny. Uh, <laughs> Are you part of the Mitch Kenny uh, loving club? What's the name? I am. Mitch Kenny fan club. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> funny story, actually, um, because when that started, we were all commenting, you know, hashtag MKFC on all of his Instagram photos and stuff like that. And um, he, he acknowledged it and noticed us and everything. Um but his girlfriend at the time followed me on Instagram because of that. Yeah. And then when they broke up, she unfollowed me. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, and I was like, wow, it really was a part of their lives then. She unfollowed <laughs> me when they broke up. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I've been caught in the crosshairs of Mitch Kenny's relationship ending. Just it is because I'm a fan of the guy. It is kind of weird when you think like she's like, okay, I've got packed all my stuff. and Yeah, now I've got to got to. Unfollow Jack O'Martin. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> just a fucking weird one, that one. Yeah, like, did she go, like, yep, unfollow Mitch, unfollow Nathan Cleary. Uh, oh, Jack, Jack O'Martin, I fucking hate this guy. Like, <laughs> what happened there? Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> Man, life's weird sometimes, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't remember her name, but don't follow her. Um <laughs> Oh man. Well look it's it's cool when I like podcasts when it's just people just talking about the game. Like I don't like it when it's all segmented and they they're trying to do a radio show. So it's it's cool when uh you just get a couple of people that love the Panthers and they're just talking about footy and talking about the Panthers and their experiences. So that's awesome and uh everyone should give it a listen. The big cat chat. Go and search for that. And uh yeah, look, thank you for coming on. It's been great talking to you, and, yeah, I'll, I'll have you on the podcast whenever you want to come on. Just let me know. Yeah, 100%. Can't wait to do it again. Thank you very much for having me on. 
And thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, we will be putting out a podcast episode preview on the round of games. That'll be coming up. And then uh, next week, we've got somebody that will be coming on to talk about rugby league in South Australia. So we might be getting those Adelaide Rams, fingers crossed. Thank you for everyone for listening. We'll catch you soon. Palmer bet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle busting benefits with great odds, more markets and same game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.